Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Apparently, apparently the lesson still has to be taught to men across America, to men across the globe, but specifically American men. You take a picture of your junk and you send it via text, via email. There's a really good chance you're going to get in trouble for it. And yet it happens. I mean... If you you may have heard it there in sports, the New York Mets general manager sent a photo of his junk to a female reporter almost five years ago. ESPN did a big investigation, had the big story yesterday, and he is now fired as the Mets general manager. He was just hired like a few months ago too. I don't I don't I just saying, guys. If you're out there and you're doing this stuff, knock it off. Just stop. It'll give you a dozen reasons why to stop, but how many lessons do you need? You don't... Even if it's to somebody you think... Look, and it, it's how often do you, you see a celebrity get in trouble with a video or something? You just you don't need any of that stuff. You're going to get yourself in trouble. It could come back and, could come back and bite you. You could lose a job over it. It's just something that you've got to realize is not worth it. And apparently, <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody learn from this? Did anybody learn when Brett Favre did it? Did Favre, was he penalized for it? Did he have a fine or something? He had Favre do it. Uh, let's see. Well, obviously, Anthony Weiner, he suffered the consequences, right? We know that. Oh, the GM of the Mets. He wasn't the GM of the Mets back then, obviously, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, did people... You know, Jeff and Fox Point makes a good a good comment here on the text line. Generally, Jeff says that's true, but Favre seems to, for the most part, been forgiven rather quickly for his... You know, you're kind of right about that, Jeff. It seems as if when Favre did it, now it's become just like a joke. Oh, you remember when Favre, yes, remember they took a picture, sent it to a female. How is that any funnier, air quotes here, It's because it's not, funnier than this guy who did it to a female reporter, the female reporter who uh, who was... uh, a foreign, we don't know the name or what country, and she didn't know how to handle it because of, there was something lost in translation. Although, let me tell you something, you may not be able to speak the language as fluidly as the person who sends you the picture, but you send a picture like that, that kind of surpasses all language barriers. I'm just saying. But really, guys, don't. Just don't. Don't. Do it. It's, it's wrong on so many levels. I mean, again, even if you're doing it to your wife, somebody that you are wedded to for the rest of your life, you send anything electronically, and it can be found. 
Okay, we don't have to talk about photos of junk, but, but, isn't that not one of the side effects of the internet? You post something. You post something on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, something not nearly as explicit, but you post something, and you you better expect, or at least recognize, that it could be used against you at some point, even if it's something as, you know, innocent as a job interview. And I would imagine, and I haven't done any hiring pretty much my entire professional life, but I imagine one of the first things a boss does, you Google somebody, right? You, you Google an applicant. You check them out on Twitter. What is their social media platform? And it lives on forever. It lives on forever, including five years later, when you text a picture of your junk. Yet, you know we're going to have another story like this. Hmm, I don't know. How long? How long before we have another story like this that makes national news? Probably a few months. Probably not a year. Somebody will make the mistake. And we'll have the conversation all over again. Okay, between now and 3 o'clock, we are going to do some looking back. We're going to reflect on the Trump presidency. Fingers crossed here. We're going to reflect on the Trump presidency. And we are going to look ahead to the Biden presidency. Because tomorrow, at this very moment, we will have a new president of the United States. Tomorrow morning, there's going to be the send-off at um, Andrews Air Force Base for the president. I don't know if you followed any of that. Apparently, they're looking for bodies. So if you're going to be in the Washington area tomorrow and um, you're looking for something to do pre-inauguration, maybe you want to go to the Trump send-off at um, Air Force uh, Andrews Air Force Base. I read a story that Anthony Scarabucci, he got an invite. And he said, if I got an invite, they're clearly just blanketing everybody whose email is in the system and inviting them. And a lot of people, apparently, reportedly, a lot of people are declining the Trump farewell ceremony because they've got to report to the airport at 6 in the morning in order to get through security and get in position and so on and so forth. So tomorrow at this time, it will be President Joseph R. Biden. And we'll have coverage throughout the morning. We will have live coverage of the inauguration, the oath of office for him and for Vice President Kamala Harris. We'll have the speech, we'll have some reaction, and we'll be all over it tomorrow, as you can expect, as we have been for many, many years. So we're going to look ahead, but we're also going to look back. I'm going to look back at this Trump presidency, and let's start there. We'll look back before we look ahead. 855-616-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know Steve uh, took a page out of the Warris playbook in describing the word for the, or or, uh, picking a word to describe the Trump presidency, but I want to ask you this. If I were to say biggest scandal, the biggest mess, the biggest distraction, the most headache-worthy moment of the past four years, I imagine we could get plenty of calls and we could have plenty of texts and all that kind of stuff. 
But let me ask you this. What was his biggest accomplishment? Hmm? What is the Trump presidency's greatest accomplishment? When they write the books, and I know they've already started, when they write the books about this president, when his library is finished, I assume the library will be in Florida, right? Maybe do it now, it'll be in Florida. What is the first thing they will tout? Or what is the first thing, and this is more important to you, what is the first thing you'll remember about him, about his presidency, from a highlight perspective? And I know there's some of you going, this guy was poison, this guy was the worst president ever, certainly in our lifetime, and he did nothing good. He did nothing well. There's not a single positive that came out of the last four years. I don't know if I can completely go along with that. Because the presidency as a whole is broader than just the man. And so I want to have a broader look. I asked Steve the question. He mentioned the change to the judicial system. What, three Supreme Court justices in his time hmm, on the bench? Pretty impactful. Long-term impact there. I think there is something more, something more that he will be remembered for or his uh, presidency will be remembered for years uh, later. And it often starts, we look at ourselves. Okay, the justices are nice, but what about me? How am I better off four years later? Some can tout one element of his presidency. All right. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's the thing. Even if you hate the man, even if you didn't vote for him four years ago, you sure as heck didn't vote for him this time, and you are counting down the minutes and seconds until he is gone. I want you to search deep inside yourself. Dig deep, friends. (laughs) Dig deep and tell me the highlight of his presidency. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is a bit of a challenge, I know, for some of you. But I'm asking you to... Look back at the last four years and say, I'm forcing you to give me a highlight. Give me something. If I were to list all the highlights and all the lowlights, my, my lowlights list would outnumber the highlights. But there have been highlights. 855-616-1620. Historians will do this. Political scientists will do this in decades and decades to come. And maybe the highlights will be lost to the ages because of the events of the last few weeks. I don't think it's a stretch to say that everything that happened from November 4th, right, the day after, November 4th to January 20th has forever altered the way the history books will remember him. I don't think that's a stretch at all. But... The pros and the cons, the good and the bad, even if there's more of one than the other. Highlights, highlights. Maybe I just want to finish. Maybe I just want to finish the last four years on a high note. 
Maybe. 855-616-1620. Mike is in Illinois. And good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm okay. Your highlight. So uh, the biggest highlight, I do believe, is the three Supreme Court justices. On a personal note, though, um, the economy, and when I say that, I specifically mean my IRA never did better after he started office, and my company uh, did very well, and in turn, I did well. Um, So that would be the second thing. And then a more intangible for me is he made me proud to be an American again. Um, You know, he wasn't always right, and he, he, you know, um, sort of rubbed some people um, across the pond the wrong way. But um, overall, I think he did a good job and put America's interests first. And I'm proud to say I voted for him twice. The stock market issue. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate your comment. The stock market, the Dow, I, I think that that is one of the first things that people will think about. And what a rocky road to get where we are today. And I do subscribe to the theory that a president either gets too much credit and too much blame for the stock market. And you can look historically, and while it's impacted by policy, you can look historically, and sometimes it does great during Republicans and bad, great during Democrats and bad during Democrats. It's it's related to policy or impacted in some degree by policy, and I don't want to get, you know, out of my lane here by talking the financial markets, obviously, but um, I think he will get credit for it. He'll get some credit, probably more than he deserves, just like he would get more blame or like, you know, Obama or others got more blame than they should. I I think that's just a matter of fact. In, in fact, I looked uh, here the day before this is good. Four years ago today, the day before Trump took office. You want to guess what the Dow was sitting at? Let me just think about that here while I go back to a call. I'll compare it to now. No cheating, no peeking. Rosie's in Rockford. Hey, Rosie. Hi there. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I I wanted to call Steve Cavitti this morning when he was talking about um, the news presentation that somebody is talking about presenting on both sides an unbiased news present, news program. I couldn't get to my phone, but... I think for the general population, Trump did something good in alerting to the fact that not all the big media, I'm talking about CNN and NBC and stuff like that, um, about how they present the news. It is so biased, and I don't like the expression fake news, but he was kind of, I think he was talking, dumbing down the expression so that his constituents would understand it. But it, it is true that there is a lot of biasness in the mainstream media, and it bothers me very much that there are not always, the entire truth is not always told. And so I was interested in what Steve was talking about in his program this morning earlier about that um, new network that wants to apparently come to be. Yeah. So I think, good or bad, Fake news, the stupid term, but I think that helps the population become, maybe we should investigate more. Maybe we should research more. Maybe we should read more. Maybe we should try some other networks and find out for ourselves. Well, look, I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree, Rosie, that the onus on us as individuals to make sure what we are getting from whatever news source. I mean, Fox News is biased, right? 
Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Fox is biased. MSNBC is biased. CNN. The onus has never right. f- felt, or, or the onus has not never been on us more than it is now to. And it's harder now. Thanks for the call, Rosie. It, it, it's harder now than ever for us to discern the truth. What is right? What is wrong? And it is so very difficult to accomplish. You can't watch cable news without having a biased opinion be put in your face. That, that, that's just a reality. Tell me the news network that's unbiased. I mean, that ship has sailed. It has. In every direction, the right and the left. Right? You have to agree to that. So, is a high, I, I'd have to think that through. I don't know if I completely agree with Rosie in that one of the highlights of Trump is that he pointed out bias in the media. Um, I think he exasperated bias both ways, to be honest with you. The combative nature between the president and the media. 855-616-1620. Dan Gianni will keep it rolling here on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris in for the vacationing Jeff Wagner. He will return tomorrow on Inauguration Day. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's continue here. Back to the phones. Gianni is in Montello. All right, Gianni, give me your highlight from the last four years. Well, well, how about how about Trump's uh, edification of, of of myself? He of, of me. Um, I think I think Trump in the last four years. And and the Republicans that have followed him in his cabinet, I think they have they have given us a wonderful look at the American psyche. And I think as an uh, I, I can cite uh, the sixth of January being uh, an example of where we are as a country, sociologically, psychologically. Trump has given us that. And and if it if if it had been someone else that had been, you know, a president, someone that far more low key. Um, I think uh, that we would not have had this glimpse into um, how divided America is. Okay, I gotta, but I got it, Gianni. It Gianni, how the heck is that a highlight? If, if it's a highlight for me, because now I am a little bit wiser. I am much wiser than I was four years ago, or, or I was when I was 20 years old. You see, so he's given me, and I, I applaud him for that because I, I am I am smarter and and uh, uh, now than I'm I'm more erudite now and and more knowledgeable and, and wiser than I was four years ago. Um, I've seen something that I never thought would occur in the United States, but I've seen it. It's the truth, um, and I feel I feel that he's uh, you know he's shown America. Um, it's soul. Something deep down in our psyche that um, I had no clue that Americans would follow this 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 man. And you're but glad. Wait, wait, hang on. Hang on. Okay. Hang on. And you're glad that you've been taught this or learned this, I should say, or seen this. Well, when, yeah. When you learn something, I mean, uh, there's a certain uh, satisfaction of uh, getting that knowledge, and. Uh, 
So without a doubt, I, I, I'm not happy with it, but I, I'm, I'm going to take it for what it is. Um, and as far as the stock market, people cite the stock market. Hey, those gains that, that occurred under Trump, they could be gone in a, in, in, a, in a week, in four or five days. They could be wiped out. I know. I know. Um, All right, Gianni. Gianni, I, I got. I'm going to move on here. Th- thanks for the call. I don't. I don't follow how that's a highlight. I don't. Don't. Don't overthink this. Okay. It's not that hard. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Dan is in Illinois. Hello, Dan. What is your highlight? Hi. Uh, just one. Uh, if you got one, give me one and one A. How about that? Oh, okay. Um, it's hard to follow a UW grad like that guy. But let's say. Um, the drawdown of troops in the Middle East and putting the uh, embassy in Jerusalem. Explain why those will be two things you'll always remember or take with you from the last four years. Because I think we've been dealing with pressures in the Middle East since 1979, and I think... Um, obviously, the um, the progress and the recognition of Israel by the uh, nations, certain nations of the Middle East, in the last 12 months, will have positive impact um, on on future on, on on all of our futures, as long as you know if we're not drawn into any more senseless wars there. And I think drawing down the troops and showing goodwill in that regard. And putting the embassy in Jerusalem when um, so many presidents, I mean, the last four or five presidents or forever, have refused to put the embassy where it belongs. Thanks, Dan. 855-616-1620. Let me, uh, let's see. This is a very innovative highlight. Uh, Maggie in Glendale. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Good. What you got? Um, My highlight is, um, he actually got more people to vote than normally would vote, and he also showed that a non-political person could actually run and win. Hmm. There was definitely precedent set in a billion different ways over the last four years. Those are two... Yeah, those are two... Pace setting, trend setting avenues that that he opened up for others. Highlights that he got people to vote. Maybe it was for him. Maybe it was for the other guy. Right? Look, we know he got more votes than anybody else ever to lose. And he engaged an electorate in a way that we had never seen before. And I think for people to look back on the Trump presidency and say, well, you know what, for all its flaws, and as I say, I think there were many, many flaws, he got people engaged. Now you'll say, well, what were some of the tactics used to get people engaged? And we can debate that, certainly. But bottom line is, people got to the polls. People went to vote. And if it meant he turned people off, they went and got active and and voted for the other person, the other person as well. Uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Voting and what was the other one? Um, 
Oh, a non-traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a reality TV star. Right. A non-traditional candidate. Thanks, Maggie. Appreciate your call. A non-traditional candidate can run for president, wasn't the first time, and can win the U.S. presidency. Here's a question. How long before we get the next non-politician to run for, I mean, like a serious run for president? Was Kanye? Kanye's got some issues he's got to work through right now, I think, at home before he runs for president. <laughs> but is Kanye? Oprah? Yeah. He, he knocked down that door, and it tells every single American who's eligible to run for president that you don't have to be a politician to do it. Now, you could say that the winds of change pushed him along his path. You can say that it was the right guy at the right time, the perfect storm, and it'll never happen again. But anytime something like that happens once, there will be somebody out there right now. There is somebody out there who is not a politician who thinks, you know what? If Trump did it, I can do it too. I've got the financial backing, I've got name recognition, I've got this, that, and the other thing. I don't have a political background, and it doesn't matter. Trump did it, I can do it too. And I don't think it's a bad thing that the idea of running for president is now opened up to non-politicians. I think that's a very creative one by Maggie. And I, I had not considered that as a highlight of the last four years. But I think I might now. We'll get to some of your texts and uh, a couple last calls, too. As we continue, Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, I'm prepping you for the question that we're going to do in 1 o'clock. Because I'm going to ask for your advice for Joe Biden. So for those of you who are anti-Biden, just like those of you who are anti-Trump, and I'm asking you to dig deep and give me a highlight, I'm going to ask you to give some advice to Joe Biden next hour. So we'll put the shoe on the other foot, so to speak. Um, Let's get one more here. Tom is in Watertown. Hello, Tom. Hiya, Scott. I'm a Democrat, and I'll tell you what, it almost pains me to say this, but I have to give the guy credit. And credit where it's due, and that's uh, Operation Warp Speed. I think that uh, it it usually takes years to develop a vaccine, and we ended up getting one. And Donald Trump actually pushed and pushed and pushed on this for a vaccine, and he called it Warp Speed. And uh, it was like eight months, nine months that we ended up with a vaccine. So we can finally maybe put an end to this pandemic. I can't really disagree with you, Tom. And I realize that the rollout of the vaccine is not exactly smooth sailing. I, I don't know how you could have done it without any hiccups along the way and issues. But nevertheless, the fact that we hit the end of the calendar year, it was December. And as I like to say, there were needles going into arms. Yep. Warp speed. Yeah. I'm with you, Tom, and um, it's, and I appreciate your candor as somebody who is a Democrat and, and realizing what he did. And, and look, did the um, 
did the COVID, uh, what's it called, the, the task force, did the task force do everything it could have? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I think the- it needs a lot more work, but uh, it, we're, we're going to get there. I think, I think the more that we see that there's problems in the water, mm-hmm. I think that uh, the more we, we'll get there. I think Are you gonna we'll, get a vac- we'll end up getting there. Are you going to get a vaccine, Tom? You're dang right I am. As soon as I'm, avail- as soon as I'm available, I'm getting one. Can I ask how old you are? Do you mind me asking how old you are? 61. Oh, 61. I was going to say. But I'm, the... but I'm also a, a cancer uh, mm. patient. Mm. So I'm hoping that sooner or later I'll be able to get one. Well, we, we learned today that uh, Wisconsinites 65 and older are going to be able to get the vaccine starting on January 25th. So I imagine, uh, you know, you and your situation can't be far behind. Tom, thanks for the call, pal. Appreciate it as always, you man. Bet. There he goes. That's uh, Tom and Water, Tom. A few of you on the text line did mention relations with North Korea. Now, I feel like every time I give a highlight, I go, but if, I will say this. Is that situation as boiling as it was four years ago? I don't think so. I mean, is everything kumbaya time with Kim Jong-un? Is Kim Jong-un okay? Have we heard from him lately? Every few weeks, I like to check to see if there are reports of his demise, which in some instances were um, greatly exaggerated. Those were some remarkable images. You know, sometimes we like to have the conversation about the image of that, that lasts for you. How about him and Kim Jong? That first meeting, I was glued to the television set, that first meeting. When they came, it was, a, it was like a hotel resort type setting and... One guy came in from one direction, the other guy from the other, and there was the big handshake, and then they met another time. But there, there's an image. Remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that um, Hawaii, residents of, of Hawaii, were receiving alerts on their phones of potential you know, missiles being launched from North Korea. I, I, you don't get the sense that that was, is as hot, white hot a relationship as it was. And many of you have mentioned that. Is it perfect? No. We'll see. That's going to be, I'm intrigued to see how Biden and the Biden administration approaches Kim Jong un. That will be, that'll be an interesting dynamic, I believe. Okay. So there we, now. Like, uh, like our our last caller there. Like our last caller there, the Democrat, who said it pains me to say it, but I got to give Trump the presidency credit for warp speed. Now we're going to flip it. Now I want you to look ahead. I want you to look ahead to tomorrow, and I want you to give Joe Biden a piece of advice. Scott, Kyle, I'm finishing up my. Inaugural address, major address, maybe the biggest speech, at least I could give. Who knows? Depends how the four years roll. What would you like to make sure I touch on? What is it you want to hear? What do you want Joe Biden to say tomorrow? For those of you who are Democrats, probably won't be difficult. For those of you who are Republicans, though, reality will strike you tomorrow, if it hasn't already, that Joe Biden is the president. But I want you, like I asked those anti-Trump people or less than favorable Trump people over the last hour, dig deep 
Dig deep on this one. Give Joe Biden some advice for his address tomorrow. What is it? 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's got to be something. Mr. Biden, I didn't vote for you, but this is the advice I would give you tomorrow. And maybe you can look inside and ask yourself, what is it? What is it you want to hear from him as somebody who did not vote for him? Maybe you still believe the election was stolen. What do you want to hear from Joe Biden tomorrow? We'll do that next. 855-616-1620. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. So we have seven people now on the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission. All right. Now we can actually have a vote for police chief, and maybe it won't be a tie. (laughs) Amanda Avalos, as Tony just mentioned, she'll be the seventh spot in the FPC. Okay. So when are we going to get that vote on the chief? Waiting, waiting. Anybody? All right. Uh, the commission chair said on the 7th that the commission needs written... Cl- We're still waiting on the written clarification from the city's attorney's office on how the Morales reinstatement by the judge could affect... I don't mean to laugh, I do. But I don't mean to laugh, but I do. It's just so serious, though. Gosh, what a mess. But we're getting somewhere because we don't have an even number of people now. And that is a start. I may not be an expert on Robert's Rules of Order... But I know you need an odd number of individuals if you intend on voting for things. Otherwise, you could have a tie. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. This is the last full day of the Trump presidency. Spend last hour going through the highlights that you'll remember. Some of you, it's tougher than others to come up with one. But some of you did, and I appreciate uh, digging deep, as I say. So now we're going to go the other direction. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to be forward thinking. Let's look ahead. What one piece of advice would you give Joe Biden tomorrow? What would you like to hear him say in the inauguration? Or I can even open it up a little broader than that and say, what is the one thing you would like to tell Joe Biden moving forward now into the Biden presidency might be easier for some of you. And for those of you ardent Trump supporters, lifelong Republicans, you've never voted any other way. But Joe Biden has come to you for advice day before he gets inaugurated and is asking for a couple of words. What are your words for him? Give him some advice. 855-616-1620. Accident mortgage talk and text line. Yes, there are some snarky ones out there, I know. I'm trying to avoid the snark. Yeah, I love good snark as much as the next person. But I'm serious. What piece of advice would you give him? Let's go to the phones here. He waited patiently throughout the news. Vincent on the northwest side. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, Scott. Happy New Year, if I haven't uh, wished you that already. Thank you, sir. You as well. What advice would you give? Joe Biden called you up today. Vincent, I got five minutes. Give me something you want to hear me say tomorrow. 
What I want uh, the President Joe Biden to say is that in, in one year, uh, uh, approximately almost 400,000 Americans have died because of the coronavirus. And this virus does, doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or you're a Democrat or Independent. This, vi this virus will, has or will affect you. And on, on day one, and, and this is going to be my mission, is to eradicate this virus from America, and because this is the only way America can get back to, to get, get back to reality in this country is to get rid of this virus, and that's what I, I want him to say. I don't think there's anything more important than that. There are important things. There are many other important things, but it start for me. It starts and ends with how will Biden handle the virus. In fact, I would be so bold, Vincent. As to say, and obviously we don't know what could happen in four years, foreign or domestic could change everything. Ask George W. Bush, right? But exactly. you, you could say, right now, we already know that the success and or failure of the Biden presidency will hinge on the coronavirus. How quickly that thing is eradicated. And it is not often, it is not often, save maybe for presidents entering during wartime, but it's not often you can sit here the day before the guy's going to be inaugurated and say that issue could very well determine how the history books reflect on his presidency. It's rare. Yeah. Thank you, Vincent. Appreciate it, pal. 855-616-1620. Fred is on the west side of Milwaukee calling in. All right, Fred. Joe Biden on the line here. I don't do a Joe Biden impression. Fred, this is Joe Biden. Um, I need. To, I got. I just got two minutes here while I'm traveling to my next stop. What advice would you give me tomorrow? Well, Mr. Scott, uh, you got a nice, thought-provoking program here today. By the way, um, anyway, um, I, I would sit down with Mitch McConnell, and if anybody needs to be united, we're talking about being united. It needs to be those two because. He's as much of a leader as Joe Biden has to be. And I would say, look, Mitch, I said, you know, enough of the small talk. Talk is cheap. You know, put something on the table besides your elbows. I want to see, you know, some big plans here, you know, and uh, I, 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 I want them done in warp speed. And you and I can make history here today. And I want you to round up some of your, you know, Republican buddies, you know, uh, I know you got them out there, and I know they they want uh, you know projects, uh, you know like uh, infrastructure and and um, as this COVID you know uh, thing pushed real hard, and I think the two of them could look pretty good in the eyes of the public if they you know stop with the chit chat and the small talk, and uh, you know get to work. Come on, guys, what I, are we paying you for? <laughs> I think I. I think there's hope for that, Fred. I do. And maybe I'll be proven a fool. Look, I think every president comes in, most every president comes in, and during the inauguration, during the campaign, unity, 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 unity. Uniter, not a divider, right. as one once said. And what have we seen over the last 20, let's just say 20 years? It's the same. Everybody wants to be a uniter. We're going to work across, reach across the aisle. And 
ultimately it just turns out to be the same games that are played. That, I think, is the primary frustration with people like you and me, Fred. Those of us, the common man, Fred, in America, the common men and women in America, that, okay, fine, you, you, you say the thing, you say the line, it's a money quote in any debate, it gets applause at your rallies and your political events, but what really is going to happen? And I... I think because of Joe Biden and who he was as a senator and the relationships he forged with Mitch McConnell, there aren't many guys who are, uh, and gals who are still in office in the Senate when when you know Biden was. I it's been a while, but well, it, I, I think unity, it's possible. Starts at the top. Yeah, it, you're unity right. It does. At the top. It starts. It, you have and, to set and, the and, example. And and if, and if uh, these guys can prove to us, you know that they can unify, you know, and unless they unify, that's the that's the power structure. They hold all the power, those guys, and we've seen it. You know, we've seen Mitch, you know, sit on his hands, and, and, and we've seen Trump, you know, uh, throw his power around. So we know without those, you know, two guys uh, orchestrating things together, uh, everybody's spitting in the wind, you know, and, and in fact, in your news, your, your news just uh, hour, just recently here, uh, Mitch says, oh, we can have some robust discussions and uh, we can have a balanced approach here. You know, same old, same old, Mitch. Mitch, well, that don't it, cut and, it. And remember this, Fred. Remember this. He's saying that because he's not going to be the majority leader anymore, right? So there is a certain amount of, I'll believe it when I see it, but Chuck Schumer is going to be the new majority leader. And Mitch McConnell, as minority leader now, is certainly playing that card. I hope it's true. And for maybe I'll be proven naive. It's happened before, I'm sure. I think there's some realistic opportunities here for, dare we say, bipartisanship. I hope, I hope. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it. 855-616-1620. That's what we're doing right now. Time to look ahead. We look back. Now we look ahead. Pat. Kathy, hold on the line. You're up next. Open lines for you as well. Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Joe Biden wants your advice. The day before he becomes president, what do you want to hear out of his speech tomorrow? What's the piece of advice you would give him as he walks into the Oval Office? This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. On the text line, advice for incoming President Joe Biden. 262, fight for free speech for those that disagree with your party. Somebody else asking to bring back uh, Cuban relations, U.S.-Cuba relations, and bring us back to what uh, President Obama had put forth in that respect. End capital gains tax on retirees' IRAs. The economy will boom. There is hmm, there is a very controversial suggestion, very controversial, I think, piece of advice on the text line, as well as, I think, Pat in Oconomowoc is going to mention this as well. Hello, Pat. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks okay. for taking my call. Thank you. Joe Biden just called you up, Pat, and he's saying, i got two minutes, but I'm going to let you give me some advice. What would you tell him, Pat? 
Well, Mr. Biden, um, you've been talking about uniting the nation and healing the nation and bringing people together. I think you should call off these impeachment proceedings. I don't think they're going to be um, anything that's going to unite us. And I think it's time to put it behind us and to move forward. Yeah, I got a few texts that say the same thing pretty much, Pat. Um, somebody said, if Scott, if Joe Biden really wants to unite the country, he needs to pardon Trump and stop the impeachment. Pardon Trump and stop the impeachment. I'm, yeah, really, I'm, not, I'm not sure a pardon is what needs to be done, but I think these impeachment proceedings need to be stopped. I mean, they've been trying to get him since before they got in office. He's gone now. You know, let's move on. I'm still torn on that myself, Pat. I'll, I'll admit I, I haven't really formed a full opinion on, on if this is the best course of action for our country as a whole um, or, or not yet. Um, there are pros and cons both ways. I, I Yeah, I, and you talk about controversial, though. Could you imagine if he did that, Pat? That would be, oh. wow, that would be a wow moment. Absolutely. And again, but wouldn't, don't you think it, it would bring us closer together? I mean, we have to stop being so divisive. And I think this is one of the ways that he can show I'm trying to bring the people together, not just my party, but the other side also. Now, what would that do? I'm just thinking out loud here, Pat. I don't know the answer. Maybe you do. What would that do for his own party? What would that do for Democrats? What would that do for people who are supporting him who are anti-Trump? Would he not risk alienating a certain pocket of his own supporters? You know, it's very possibly he could. But again, what's the bigger, what's the bigger goal here? You know, he's going he's gonna to alienate some of his supporters one way or the other, no matter what he does, somewhere down the line. So let's do something here for the American people and say, hey, it's time. It's time to move on. Hmm. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate the call very much. Now, Pat suggested that. Mark in Kenosha. Mark, if you were to give Joe Biden one piece of advice, he's got a couple quick moments for you. What do you tell him? Well, sir, I would tell him that if you want to unite the country, uh, if you want to be the party of law and order, then you prosecute illegal activity from the previous administration to the fullest extent of the law, because anything less than that, is not only excusing it, but condoning and encouraging it for their future administrations, this one included. Uh, anything less than that is a, a disgrace, and people are talking about, oh, let's unite the country, let's move on. Excuse me, when people break the law, you have to hold them accountable, and if you don't, then this one are going to have a free pass. Whatever they want, screw the laws, you're above it. to me. Uh, I feel that they should have to pay for the illegal actions they've done, and and that's pretty much the bottom line. Hmm. So it's interesting. So, Mark, you heard Pat's comments, um, for the most part, the the caller right before you. So why would mm-hmm. why wouldn't what would unite the, the nation more? What is what is best for America that the Biden what? administration not stand in the way of the impeachment proceedings in the Senate and against the president, uh, that his Department of Justice not 
maybe go after individuals related to, to Trump and the administration. Things. Does that unite us? What, what's best for the nation? How would you respond to Pat, you know, who's, who's making an honest point in his opinion that we need to be united and that's the best way to unite us? I think that the best way to unite us is to have us all equally accountable for the laws that hold the United States together, because let me propose this question to you. If for the next four years, the Biden administration breaks laws left and right, they profit off of the positions they're put in, and they do all sorts of illegal activity, is their answer going to be, well, let's just move on and unite and excuse and forgive that behavior and not hold them accountable. I guess that's my key point is accountability and following the laws that we all claim to, to uh, have America built around. If you don't do that, you're not only excusing, but you're encouraging future administrations to break the law. And we can't have that. So even if 50% of America or whatever uh, – percentage you want to claim even if they think that it was a, a steal or a scam or whatever uh, let's let the courts sort it out and let's let the laws be followed because if we don't have consequences for laws then we don't have a democracy we don't have a country what we have is a scam thank you mark think about those last two calls pat and okonomowoc mark and kenosha think about those last two calls both men stated their opinion. I think they backed it up with some very valid reasoning. But that is, that's a debate. And I, I don't, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't fully come to any conclusion myself yet. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'll be straight up with you guys. Are we better off as a country? Here's the question going forward. Are we better off as a country to pursue the impeachment for the sake of accountability, which Mark outlined? We are law and order. Law and order. Do we pursue with those principles at the forefront? Or are we better off as America? Are we more united if Joe Biden calls off the dogs and it, it, we should point out i mean from a from a from a legal perspective i think i'm safe in saying this i'm not the lawyer that normally occupies this chair noon to three but from a legal procedural perspective i mean joe biden he may not have any i, I don't know I, I don't know how much pull he has in a legal sense but if the president of the united states goes behind the scenes and says hey let's uh nix that Forget that. Hey, let's back off a little bit. There's some clout there. So how official it would be, but the back channel messaging, right? What a debate. Wow. There's one more one more thing that I think, and a lot of texters have said this, a little bit of a lighter tone, a, a lighter suggestion. A bunch of you have texted this in, and, and Kathy, Kathy's going to mention it when we come back. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I only do this because Tony Bedox is used to me being late. Real quick here. Kathy and Racine. Kathy, I got 30 seconds. Joe Biden's on the line. What advice would you give him? 
stay off the computer. When you treat it like a toy, you're going to stick your foot in your mouth and say something dumb, and it's going to come back and haunt you. That would include Twitter as well? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a, a lot of uh, fellow listeners have texted uh, basically the, that same idea in. Stay off the Internet. Now, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how Joe Biden uses Twitter. I don't know. I assume he'll use the POTUS account and that's it. He won't be using the personal account. I don't know. Donald Trump forever changed how a president views and potentially uses Twitter. Forever. And I that's one of the little offshoot, more minor interests of mine. How does Biden and every subsequent president use social media? It's fascinating to think about. By the way, for those of you who were are hoping for unity. Um, CBS is reporting that tomorrow morning, Joe Biden and the four congressional leaders, Pelosi, Schumer, McConnell, and McCarthy, so you got the House leaders, the Senate leaders, both sides, they'll all attend Mass together tomorrow morning at the Cathedral of St. Matthew, the Apostle, a.k.a. St. Matthew's, after an invitation was extended by Biden, according to the leader's congressional office as well. That's a start, right? I mean, we're all for... Show us, don't just tell us. That says something, I guess. All right, Kyle. Um, Answer the phones for three hours every day. All of a sudden, the super secret WTMJ guest hotline rings, and I don't, I don't do a Joe Biden impression. I don't know anybody that does a Joe. You know who probably does a Joe Biden impression? Eric Bilstead. Bilstead thinks he can do an impression of like every president ever, and it's it's they're usually not good. But anyway, maybe I'll ask him to do it during crosstalk at 3 o'clock. He looks good in those aviator <laughs> shades, too. Now, Billstead Bill Stead could, yeah, he's kind of, he, he, he could kind of look like uh, a, a Biden. And I could see it, although his hair is much better. I mean, Biden's, well, for, for starters, Billstead has his own hair. I mean, that's not Biden's own hair. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, I know. So, Joe Biden calls and says, Kyle, I got two minutes. What would you like to hear tomorrow? What is your advice for me? I think he needs to focus on his party and how it will be seen or perceived or identified four years from now. Uh, Because right now, it seems to me that the Republican Party is in a little bit of an identity crisis because they kind of want to wash the Trump off of them, it seems a little bit. Portions do, at least, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that being said, we're not really sure what the Republican Party might look like four years from now. But I think the same can be said for the Democratic Party, especially with Joe Biden now having the House and the Senate with it, with the vice president making the deciding vote with him. So he sort of has the next four years to sort of be the deciding factor in what the Democratic Party will look like four years from now, because I don't see him running again for a second term. So who knows what that would look like? Um, so ultimately, the success of the party really sort of weighs on the next few years here for, yes. for them. so It is Joe Biden's Democratic Party. And, you know, you talk about identity. I, I do, I mean, the Democrats do have a bit of a, of a who, who are we? And I think as long as the president is a member of your party, that's, he's the front man in this case. I know there, you know, there's a, a wing by AOC. People fear that Kamala Harris and too far left. 
I, I really don't, because that's not who Joe Biden has shown himself to be over decades and decades of history. There's a lot there's a lot less unknown about Joe Biden than there may be about any other president that's ever come into office. But there's a certain amount of identity situation there. And I think it'll be really interesting to watch. You, you, you make me think of this with your comment. How does he work with those other you know, subgroups of the Democratic Party, those that are much further left than than he is. If if we're going to get the unity, if we're going to get the bipartisanship that people are touting right now, that I think most Americans are wanting right now, how do you appease everybody? It, can you appease everybody? I don't know. Yeah, and I think his cabinet picks for his administration is a little bit telling as well, because a lot of his economic proposals uh he drafted a lot of those with elizabeth warren and with bernie sanders who are not in his cabinet even though so that sort of shows that he shares some of those ideals with those politicians but not to the point where they are going to be in his cabinet making the big decisions because that might be perceived as too far left fascinating dynamic at play and it all begins tomorrow at 12 noon eastern time Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So the news today also, and then I'm going to get to uh, the vaccine, because I imagine there are many of you in our listening audience right now, or certainly some of you who know people in our audience who are going to be eligible for the vaccine in six days. It's just good news, and I know the vaccine rollout has not been smooth, and there will continue to be bumps and hiccups and roadblocks. There are needles in arms. I mean, think about where we were. Well, we're going to get to it. Just I'm getting ahead of myself. I just wanted to say this though. You see that my pillow, that that commercial, that product. You talk about a couple of years ago. That was as ubiquitous a product as any. Now it's Bed Bath and Beyond, not so much. Kohl's, we come a little closer to home here. Kohl's has dropped Mike Lindell's products, Mike Lindell, because of what the owner of MyPillow, the founder of MyPillow has said and continues to say when it comes to how he believes the election was stolen and rigged and talking about the Dominion voting systems. In fact, Dominion, did you see this? They have sent Mike Lindell a cease and desist letter threatening to sue him if he continues to disparage the company. I read the letter. Our last letter informed you that Dominion was prepared to initiate legal action to set the record straight and vindicate its reputation. This morning, Dominion filed a defamation lawsuit against Sidney Powell. We're sending you hard copies of the complaint and exhibits under separate covers so that there's absolutely no doubt at a future date about what was known to you at this juncture. Mike Lindell will be at the send-off tomorrow, I'm sure. And perhaps others. I don't, I'm not sure, but... So if you're looking for the MyPillow products... You can't use your Kohl's cash anymore, and don't try Bed Bath & Beyond, and who knows what's next. As I said, six days from now, January 25th, we learned today, as Wisconsin health officials say, COVID-19 vaccine shots will be available to you if you are 65 years and older. 
So the state, as the as Molly Beck writes in the Journal Sentinel, the state's first move to inoculate the general public from a virus that has killed more than 5,000 Wisconsinites in less than a year. But the effort will take time. That's what we're being warned. The agency announced the expansion of the state's vaccine rollout to Wisconsin's elderly as the state continues to receive fewer... You think 65 is elderly? I don't think of 65 as elderly. Anyway. Isn't the older... You know why? (laughs) Because I'm closer to 65. What's the age... What's the age at which you think someone is elderly? Be careful now. <laughs> didn't you, you you had this didn't you have this conversation with some didn't Wagner have this conversation once like a year or two ago? I thought it was Jeff who was having the conversation about well, how how do you define how do you define elderly? Hold on a second. Like when you're 18. Well, let's go younger than that. Like when you're a kid, when you're 10 or 11. You think of old as what? The kid what? babysitting me. Right. There you go. It's probably a, a teenager, like a 17 or 18-year-old I mean, baby. If, if you can pick it, pick me up and throw me, you, you are an adult. <laughs> yeah, forget about it. If you can, you can throw a child, then you're an adult. All right, fair enough. And then it, you, just, you always move the goalpost. So now, now you're 21. Now, now you're out of college. 22, 23. Oh, you're mid-20s. So suddenly, well, maybe 40 isn't that old. I think if you're 21, you're afraid of your 30s. It's totally dependent on how old you are. Is it always the next decade you fear, or at least are <clears throat> mindful of? I'm I'm 31, and I'm not too afraid of my 40s. I'm more afraid of my 50s and 60s. Okay. Uh, I would I would I would think that's more old because that's still old enough to be my parent. Uh, but now I'm at the age now where if I meet someone, I mean, you're 39, if I meet somebody that's 40, 41, 10 years older than I am, I, I mean, you're an adult just as much as I am, I, I'd say. So you're going to think of me as old when I hit the big four zero later this year? Uh, yes, you just said yeah, yes. Yeah. You just pause. <laughs> that is a yes. If you started with, well, um, I take that as confirmation. I take that as confirmation. Now, where were we on the oh the elderly thing? So how do you so does that mean people who are you know fifty, fifty five, sixty, sixty five? Like if you're in your sixties, I always assume people don't think of themselves as old. I don't think we ever think of ourselves as old. You're only as old as you feel. They always say. I don't think anybody ever feels old. You always think there's old people. They're out there. They're down there. They're farther away from me. Even if I'm 72 years old, I don't feel old at all. What is old? What's at a number? What's at an age? Yeah, some people hit... I remember my dad saying once that 40 hit him hard. And I don't know. I'm coming up on it. But I don't feel it. I'm, I'm I'm still at the age where I don't have to stretch every morning, even though I know that, that that's a good idea to do it. Because once you get old and, and things start creaking and you feel sore just from doing normal daily things, that's when that's when you know you're either extremely out of shape or or and you got to do something about it or you're old. Um, 
So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I am now at the age, again, 31, where I have to, I, I mean, I work out like twice, two, three times a week, and I yeah. know that I got to do that just for my own well-being. Didn't really have to do that in my 20s, mm-hmm. but now I'm, it's getting there where, like, okay, I got to start taking care of myself. And when you do, do it, you, you, like, if you're trying to build, they always say, if you're trying to build muscle mass, the older you get, the muscle mass doesn't quite take. Or you don't, you, it, it's tougher to shed pounds as quickly the older you get, then when the younger you get. But at any rate, the Journal Sentinel refers to people 65 and older as elderly. <laughs> and I just thought, well, elderly? Really? Okay. 700,000 people in Wisconsin are 65 or better. That's the other one I like. Whenever it's like 65 and better. About 700,000 people in the state are 65 or better. But the state received about 70,000 first dose vaccines each week, according to the agency. Hmm. To schedule an appointment, eligible residents should contact their health care provider, pharmacy, or local health department. So I know some of you are asking me on the text line, well, how do, okay, this is great, I'm happy. What do I got to do? Who do I got to talk to? Who do I call? Your health care provider, your pharmacy, or if you maybe aren't under the care of a doctor, don't have insurance, whatever, call the local health Department, hospitals and other vaccinating entities that have vaccine doses available may provide vaccine shots to people age age 65 and better before January 25th if officials there have completed the vaccinations for frontline workers and others in the first wave of the state's rollout. How exciting is this? I mean, look, are you pumped up for this? Are you excited? Are you skeptical? You can, if you're listening to me right now, 65 or better, you can finally get a needle in your arm. If you're under 65, maybe you've got a parent or a grandparent who fits in this category. It's finally coming for the general population age groups. Scale of 1 to 10, how excited here? 855-616-1620. I may ask you how you feel about your age as well, but we're going to run two topics simultaneously. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So Wisconsinite 65 and better can get the COVID vaccine starting January 25th. You excited about this? I mentioned it earlier. I immediately sent the message off to my parents. Very excited. Um, but it's it's there's been such little good news, not just in the last year plus, I know, but just COVID related. It was just every day, every month, we're just hit over the head with one less thing we can do, one less place we can go, the death toll rising, and it's still rising. Maybe it's just like a sponge looking to soak up any good news related to the eradication of this deadly disease. Rick uh, in Shorewood. Hey, Rick. Hey, it's Sherwood, not Sherwood. Oh, I apologize. Where where is Sherwood? Where where is Sherwood? Sherwood is Gateway to High Cliff State Park, northeast tip of Lake Winnebago. Northeast tip. Okay, very good. Okay, Rick, you're checking in at sixty seven years young, I understand. That is correct. What is old to you? Real quick. Who is old? What, what, what is well, elderly in your in your mind? Well, you know, I, I, I've, I've lived this long, and I, I'm, you know, I enjoy the fact that uh, I, I get senior citizen discounts and, and that kind of thing. 
Um, as far as feeling old, yeah, I got aches and pains and all that kind of good stuff. So, but do I feel old? Yeah, not so much. See, that's my point. I don't think people ever actually feel old. They may have an ache and a pain in the knee and the shoulder and the elbow, and, but you don't feel okay. Thank you for answering that. Now, our second topic, we're running simultaneous topics here. Very difficult talk show uh, issue I'm taking on. I mean, how pumped are you? Are you going to be in line? Are you going to call your doctor and all this stuff? Are you ready to go with the vaccine? I'm ready to get it as soon as as I can. Um, um, My my son and daughter-in-law are in the healthcare industry. They've both gotten their shots. My, My wife actually... Uh, is in the healthcare industry. She just got her first shot. Um, I've got a uh, new grandson who, you know, I've got to be very careful around. I I take care of my 94-year-old stepdad. So, you know, if if I can get it and relieve some of that pressure, um, I'm I'm all for it. I... I, I, I'm I'm very happy for you, Rick, and I'm happy for what that would then potentially lead to when it comes to interacting with all your family again. Thanks for the call, pal. Good luck with the aches and pains. People are more interested in yelling at me for how old things are than anything else. A lot of people on the text line are saying, I, um, you know, I've tried to do some calling today, but nobody really knows how it'll be distributed yet. I, I would anticipate there being some delay in the communication of it i mean we just learned today it's going to take a while to roll it out and that's kind of what health officials were talking about the effort will take time so be patient does that mean on january 25th everybody's going to be lined up it's going to start on the 25th and we'll move from there so hmm Back to the age thing, though. Scott, I don't get older. Others just get younger. Well played. See, now they're 73 years old. Uh, uh, 73, and I don't feel old. Exactly. I. 40 was a harder birthday than 50. See, now I've other people said that, too. 40 was harder than 50. Every time I hit a new decade, 20, 30, 40, I think, okay. You know what I said? I said this at 30. I said, all right. Now it's time to get my you-know-what together. Now i got to get it together. When, you, when you're 20, well, 20, for those of you who go to college, it's usually right in the middle of school. and Nah, 21, oh, yeah, I can drink now. 30, though, 30, yep. So I'm kind of feeling, you know what, uh, come my birthday this year, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Kyle, I'm going to give myself the pep talk and go, all right, Scott, now quit fooling around. Get your blank together. Because you're 40 now. Now I've been just messing around all these years. It just, it's, you know, it's, it's like you get a chance to reset. It's like the beginning of the new year. Everybody resets everything. You reset your life and what you're doing professionally, personal, everything. It's just, it's a reset moment. That's how I talk myself into it. Did yeah, you I, do that at 30? I, what's that? Did you do that at 30? Uh, no. You're no, a year I'll, into this decade. Get your bleep together. I did, I did have a hard time <laughs> approaching 30. Once it happened, I was like, all right, let's. Uh, it's here, fine, uh, you know. But um, I will say, when I, I forgot that I had turned 31. Uh, like, I was still referencing myself as a 30-year-old person, and my, my wife, Kaylee, was just like, Kyle... You're 31. You've been 31 for seven months. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that was that was sort of the oh uh, oh yeah ah <laughs> uh, yes you've already you're already into the decade well for those of you 65 or better be patient again the advice from the state health officials uh, to schedule your appointment, eligible residents, contact your health care provider, your pharmacy, your local health department. Some of you may have more success today than otherwise, uh, th- than others, but it was announced today. Be patient. Take some time. The people you call and talk to may not have all the information to set you up yet, but the the end is near, right? Needles and arms mean the end is near. I used to say this a lot last year, early on. We're one day closer to normalcy, and as soon as you get that needle in the arm, you're one day closer to normalcy again. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. Jeff is back tomorrow. Much to the delight of some of you on the text line today. <laughs> I can take it. Just one more question on the age thing. Do you prefer if somebody said, oh, I I thought you were older or I thought you were younger? Is it more flattering if they say one or the other? Because I think for a while, or, it, or does it depend on the situation? Now, if they say, really? Oh, you look older. Mm, not so much. But if they just say, oh, I thought you were older, that could speak to your personality, your maturity level. You could take it as a compliment, depending on how old you are. You know, if you're, if you're 22, and a, I don't know, if you're 22 years old, and college professor at graduation, Kyle. Congratulations! You know what? You you what you you strike me as somebody who's older than twenty two years old. Like, or if they said it to me, I mean, I don't want to tell you. But they said, Scott, you know what? You're older than you're always. You're more mature than twenty two years old. I, I would take that as a compliment. Thank you. They think of me as somebody older, more mature than what my age is. But I can also see where. Somebody might say, uh, what, uh, you got to be, what, uh, 40, 41? I'm 35. Okay. That, not so flattering. Where I, think, are you on that? I think someone being surprised at how mature you are is different from them. Just the blanket, sta- blanket statement of, you seem or you look older. You know what I mean? Like, look uh, especially. Like, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I could have... As a 31-year-old guy, I have the maturity of someone oh, like, like uh, 50 years old. I, I groan because I just, what does that even mean? <laughs> what, what, what do I think? Thinking of stocks and bonds. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, if, I'm, but if, I, if I'm just a 31 and someone says, oh, you, you seem older or you look older, I don't, I don't know totally what that means. So I, I, I wouldn't know how to react to that besides so saying thank you. <laughs> what if they said, oh, I thought you were in your mid-20s. Is the default setting to be more positive? Oh, I go thanks. right to appearance. So yeah, I, yes, I, I, we I, do, I would, don't we? I would take that uh, positively. Like, oh, oh, you, you, you seem younger. Okay, we, great. I must, I must look younger. Right. Then. We hear seem, but we think look. 
they're saying we look younger. Uh huh. Okay, here's another term that is thrown around a lot. That reminds me. What about the term old soul? I've heard that said about me from time to time. You're an old soul. And I don't mind that, actually. I know what they're saying. I get it. I probably would consider myself an old soul. But how do you, how would you take it? Kyle, I take you. You're an old soul. I, I've also been, been told that. And I think it was <laughs> when I was in my younger 20s, somewhere around there, when I had friends that would go to uh, like bars or, or like nightclubs. Mm-hmm. That like I'll, I'll use that as the example. Friends that go to nightclubs to hit on girls yes. or whatever, and that kind of thing. And I that wasn't really my scene either. Uh, not really my thing. So they're, they're like, oh, it, like you've you've already graduated beyond that. Right. Like that that carnal desire. <laughs> the carnal desires of the nightclub scene. You never you never embraced that. You just you skipped right over it, and now. You're an old soul. I remember being in college and going with friends to bars that tried to be nightclubs. I wouldn't even go to nightclubs, but ones that would be somewhat similar to them. And just thinking, boy, it's it's loud in here. <laughs> so so I, if, that, if that doesn't say enough about me, uh, or at least me in my 20s, I don't know what will. This is another good one. Another good phrase. 262. Old soul. What about... Wise beyond your years. You're wise beyond your years. I think that's very complimentary. I think it's meant as a compliment. Is it always taken as a compliment? I That phrase, I would say more times than not. You're wise beyond your years. Thank you. I think that's a pound a piece when it comes to old soul. Old soul sounds like it has a more of a negative connotation. Wise beyond your years, that sounds like you're... You're transcendent, right? Like you're you're much better than where you should be right now. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, fair enough. Huh. I am. I've I've always thought of myself as older than I am, though. I have said I've said this publicly. So what the heck? I'll say it on the radio. I wish I could live at a retirement home. I admit it. I am in. I've, I've I'm a 39 year old, and let me tell you something. If I could live. At a nice, quiet retirement home, count me in. And we might have some of the folks in the audience right now, you're listening from your nice, quaint, quiet retirement home. Some of those retirement campuses, I mean, those things are, it's like a resort. And it may be, it's quiet. Well, sometimes the TVs get loud. (laughs) I remember visiting my grandpa. When he was living in a retirement home, and um, it was like the top floor, but it was like at the end of the hall. So you'd get out, you'd have to walk down the long hall, and you'd pass door after door. <laughs> some of those, some of, some of those TV volumes were cranked on high. But other than that, retirement home, you get your own kitchen, or some of them serve meals. So I could choose whether or not I want to cook for myself or I'll just go down and eat. Put on the slippers and just shuffle down. I just <laughs> I could see it too. I could see you whoa, walk, whoa, waltzing whoa, down the hall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the hell is that supposed to, to mean? Get your mashed potatoes. What do you mean you could see it too? Now that offends me. <laughs> that I find offensive. Half the people love you. 
because of how uh, charming you are, and the other people don't like you because of how charming and smarmy you are. They're like, I don't, I don't trust them. You got card games? You want to play cribbage? A little rummy action in the the room. Some of them, they've got like a little grocery, little pantry area, a little grocery store pantry-like situation. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've um, been inside a retirement home, but those things are, see some of the, oof. I say it's like a resort. How did we get on this? Oh, I know. Yeah, somebody said that it is pretty expensive, though. It is 920. Have you ever noticed when you're visiting a retirement home, if you knock on one door, you see the residents of three or four other apartments open the door to peek to see who it is? Yeah, but you could do that in an apartment sometimes. If I hear a commotion, I'll go to the peephole and take a look at what's going on in the hall. And now somebody did make a good point, though. Some... Some of these places have their own happy hour. These retirement communities have happy hours. They've got parties. You got Margarita Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, Friday Fish Fry, happy hours. I'm just saying, folks. I You know the one good thing that's going to come of hitting the big 4-0 later this year? One year closer to becoming eligible to move into the retirement community. Hello, Del Boca Vista. Scott Warris has arrived. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay. I was not intending to start the hour with retirement house or retirement house, retirement community talk, but what is the one down in Florida? The villages, right? Everybody just drives around in a golf cart all day. That's got to be really expensive. I should have looked it up during the break. Can you find out for me, like, what, what type of, what type of price range are we talking for the villages down in Florida? Okay. I'm just going to bring this to your attention because I didn't know this was an issue. But it is. The headline reads, People named COVID share the blessing and burden of their moniker amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. I'm talking first names here. First names. Dr. COVID, spelled K-O-V-I-D. Dr. COVID Bayana Hadn't devoted much thought to his name throughout his life, but as the coronavirus pandemic swelled in the U.S., the third-year medical student worried for his patients. You don't really want to hear that word in the hospital, he says. Among colleagues in Washington, D.C., the guy's 23 years old, uh, he attends Howard University, his name is a pleasant conversation starter. However, he is sensitive to its sound during telehealth appointments or while treating those incoherent or with hearing problems. <laughs> what? What did you say? I'm Dr. COVID. What? He's Dr. COVID? He says, I'm not trying to scare anyone. It's a unique struggle. I like that phrase. I may use that. That's what I call a unique struggle. Indeed, the name COVID, K-O-V-I-D, is not common in the U.S., It, in fact, has not been given to any baby at any time in the 140-year history of the U.S. Social Security name roster. roster. The country keeps records given to five or more babies in any given year, so it's possible there are one or two names named COVID, but 
for privacy reasons, those aren't recorded. COVID, K-O-V-I-D, or COVID, K-O-V-I-D-H, the latter of which, according to Baby Center India, translates to wise. That's rare as well. Neither of those names appear on the top 100 names for boys or girls born in India in 2020. COVID or COVID with an H as a name does not exist in India as it has a meaning in Hindi, uh, says the uh, representative. It's quite rare and mostly used for boys. Generally, Indians want the names to mean something since it is believed that the name has an impact on a person's life. The name Corona sounds like corona, but is a popular name as it means compassion. Some Indians have named their babies after COVID, though, and things related to the pandemic. Then they profile a couple of people. Just listen to this for a second. 31-year-old COVID Gupta is an Indian-American author and filmmaker in Houston, Texas. Has humor jokes like, COVID's coming, stay away. Well, that has got to get old quickly. He said, um, and I, I heard you're contagious these days, but I'm bummed. Along with double takes while canceling his gym membership or using his bank card. However, he is a public figure in India. He's written soap operas for Hindi television. Appeared on Forbes 30 Under 30 for Asia List. He's an author, new book of short stories coming out. Friends have suggested he use a pseudonym or his initials. He says it has affected the brand I've built. He understands the fascination with his name, which he suspects will decline in popularity. Yeah, you think? It occurred to me that I probably belong to the last generation of people with this name. It wasn't common in India to begin with, but now... Who would name their kids after one of the worst events in the 21st century? However, for COVID Sharma, K-O-V-I-D, COVID, 51-year-old general manager at a manufacturing company in India, the name distinguishes him from other job applicants. Having to clarify his name is not convenient, but the effort paid off in a recent job interview. Here's how. COVID Sharma says it served as a perfect icebreaker, and it went smoothly after that. Dating, however, is trickier. Back to um, our friend that we met first, Dr. COVID Bayana. Uh, Dr. Bayana says using a dating app where he estimates 50% of prospective suitors questioned his name. Some are ridiculous, he says. I won't respond to questions like, is that your real name? However, he says... A clever, so this is your fault, could start a connection. How about 32-year-old COVID Rati, an Australian-based data and infrastructure engineer, originally from India. He tells uh, Yahoo Life that he's jokingly experimented with bad pickup lines, such as, I'm contagious, but not in a different way. (laughs) Wow. COVID Rathi has always recognized that his name is unusual. I remember doing an online search for my name 15 years ago, and I can only find a handful of people named COVID. To date, I haven't met anyone with my name. Hmm. See, there's always a small pocket of individuals that are impacted by news stories in a different way. There are COVIDs out. There are COVIDs among us. 
people named COVID share the blessing and burden of their moniker amid the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's a good way of summing it up. Okay, did you uh, did you check how much would it cost me to move into the villages? What type of price range are we talking here? Okay, do you know how you live in a in a single apartment? Single apartment. Do, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a simple man. Simple man. Do you know the square footage offhand? Oh, it's like eight fifty, maybe. It's not ah, huge. okay. I got an eight. I got an eight fifty for All you. All right. How much would an eight hundred fifty foot square uh, eight hundred fifty square foot unit at the villages cost me a thirty nine year old man going on forty that would love to live in a retirement village community? <laughs> uh, it is one thousand eight hundred forty five dollars. Eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred bucks. Yeah. So that's for the condo, one bedroom, one bath condo in the villages. And when you say the villages. You're talking about uh, what seems like a like a dozen different areas in, a, in a in a concentrated area in right. Florida. I think it's I think it's its own as a city. So in in this case, but. I am looking at the lofts at Chitty Chatty. Oh, yeah, the lofts uh, at um, Chitty Chatty. I will say though, the the houses that are brand new uh, are around a half million to three quarter million, okay. uh, which seems. Uh, decent in in Florida, I suppose, yeah. as someone who just rents. Are there pictures of people just driving around in their golf carts all over the place? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's just they, what I want. They to had do. they had the video of them playing uh, 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 volleyball in the pool too, which I thought was uh, a nice touch. Um, and then the pre-owned homes. This is actually where it catches my eye because some of them are around a hundred forty thousand oh. to three hundred thousand. So pretty affordable if you want to go into the pre-owned, already furnished home. Um, mm. It seems like you could just continue renting until you're around 55 move down and and t- be taken care of i was gonna say 55 is the starter age yeah it's 55 plus you, hey can i just say this hey let me just say this real quick and we got a break and then tony is waiting i know patient just say this right i'm a single guy right now if i'm single at 55 i mean that there's a whole other realm of fifth be like hey 55 year old guy single guy moves into the villages oh Possibilities, ladies and gentlemen, possibilities. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So we are learning now that Mike Pence will not be at the departure of Donald Trump in the morning. Pence is planning to be at the inauguration. Is that, do I understand that correctly? Or at least him and, him and Biden will have some interaction that morning, uh, tomorrow morning. But he's not going to be at the airport when Trump leaves before that, early tomorrow morning. Wow. You talk about a relate. You talk, I mean, I know that Trump has had some remarkable relationships, the dynamics between Donald Trump and fill in the blank. But just look at the Trump relationship. And look at it in the last, would you say, two weeks since January 6th? I remember reading that those two guys didn't even speak for days after January 6th. It's just, wow. And then people ask, what about Mike Pence? Where's Mike Pence? A man without a... A man without a country. To whom does he swear allegiance now? Some say he might want to run in 2024. Is the Trump base really enamored with Mike Pence right now? And if not, does he have a base? Or does he just fade back into Indiana Pound? You know what he could do? Go back into radio. Go back into radio, Mike. 
Don't put anybody behind a microphone there. Just, I'm living proof of it. All right. Before we get out of here at 3 o'clock, we would like to make a little time for this. Great Scott! Remember the monolith mystery? Monoliths popping up everywhere. Then it jumped the shark and I grew tired of it and it just kind of... Nah. I think I have our newest monolith type of story. It's mystery potatoes. Someone has been leaving potatoes at the library in Wayland, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Over the last week, someone has been leaving potatoes on the lawn in front of the Wayland Free Public Library. Library Director Sandy Raymond found the first one Monday during a... Um, this would have been last Monday, during a walk around the library grounds. She discovered the second while getting her steps in on Tuesday. She said, I... Did that potato move? It had not moved. And the second potato gave birth to a local mystery. The librarians posted about the phenomenon on social media. A lot of attention because of it. None of us can imagine how they got here. Part of a rare potato migration. Did a kid on a bus revolt by a packed lunch? Mm. Some have remarked about other potato occurrences in the area. One woman said she's seen piles of potatoes left along Concord Road near the library. Another person suggested maybe a friendly raccoon or a black bear is leaving the potatoes as an offering to the librarians. The potatoes appear, here's just the thing, they're not raw. The potatoes appear to be baked or cooked. But the library's location would seem to rule out a restaurant-based explanation. There's an eatery nearby called Spice and Pepper. It's a Thai restaurant with no baked potatoes on the menu. Boy, they really have researched this. There's a little stop and shop farther west, but a call to the deli department confirmed they don't sell whole baked potatoes. Then there's Massachusetts Central Rail Trail, which is a paved course that begins near the library and heads east and so on. They don't think it's a biker or a walker, although one person wondered whether someone was using baked potatoes to keep warm. An old New England trick. As of last Friday, the mystery remains unsolved, and the potatoes were still sitting undisturbed in the library's lawn. They have no intention of moving them. After all, what if their owner returns and is hungry? It's an experiment, they say. They're not going to hurt anything. So there you have it. From monoliths across the globe to potatoes in Massachusetts. Not just any, but baked potatoes mysteriously appearing on a library lawn in Massachusetts. I will keep you posted on this if there are any other potato-related sightings. Uh, Vladimir Putin found a way to get uh, shirtless again. It's been a while. Vladimir dressed in nothing but a pair of blue swimming trunks and immersed himself in the freezing water of a cross-shaped pool near Moscow. Today, earlier today, remember they're ahead of us, observing an Orthodox Christian ritual to mark the Feast of Epiphany. Russian state television broadcast the footage with the air temperature at about 7 degrees, removing a sheepskin coat to enter the icy waters and submerging himself three times beneath the surface, uh, surface in front of an ice, sculpture, uh, ice sculpted cross. Hmm. 
Each year on Epiphany, Orthodox believers immerse themselves in rivers and lakes to commemorate the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan. I'm assuming Russian state TV broke into regular programming with this. We now go live where Vladimir Putin is shirtless dipping himself in water. Now, there is one oddity we did not see out of Trump in the last four years. There's one. And last but not least, some inaugural address fun facts for you as you get ready for tomorrow. We'll carry Biden's speech live tomorrow. Coverage will start at 10 a.m. Live ABC coverage at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. There are five individuals that did not give an inaugural address. John Tyler, Millard Fillmore, Andrew Johnson, Chester A. Arthur, and Gerald Ford. Never gave an inaugural address. The longest, in terms of um, length, uh, length in words, word count, William Henry Harrison, over 8,400 words, way back in 1841. He had the longest address, 8,400 words, took one hour and 45 minutes to deliver. Hmm. The shortest, however, are very interesting. George Washington's second inaugural address, 135 words, lasted just under two minutes. Now, the average length of a presidential inaugural address is about 2,300 words. So I mentioned William Henry Harrison, 3,000 words longer than number two, William H. Taft. But you go down the list. Shortest. Think about these presidents. They gave the shortest inaugural addresses. You could claim four of the greatest presidents ever. George Washington, the shortest ever. Second shortest, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 45. Abraham Lincoln, 1865. Third shortest address ever. Teddy Roosevelt, fourth shortest ever in 1905. All four of those guys the only four times that an address has been under 1,000 words. Maybe it depends on how cold the day was in Washington, perhaps. But remember, as we go into Biden's speech tomorrow, you can say a lot in very few words, right? Doesn't take a long diatribe to get your point across. Recent history, Bill Clinton, about 1,600 words. George W. Bush, 1,600 words. Ronald Reagan, I'm thinking recent times, Ronald Reagan, the 17th longest, 2,600 words. And, and, did you know, did you know, Trump will be the first president since Andrew Johnson, another member of the impeachment club, to skip the inauguration of his successor. Johnson snubbed history buffs, political scientists. Who did Johnson snub in 1869? Johnson snubbed Ulysses S. Grant in 1869. So the first time since 1869 that the departing president will not be at the inauguration of his successor. And that, with a nod to tomorrow's historical day, a Tuesday edition, Wagnerless show edition of Great Scott. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
Okay, Kyle, you bring up a very good, very astute historical point that is worth uh, repeating, and I'll let you make it, as it pertains to, again, William Henry Harrison, longest inaugural address, 8,460 words, took an hour and 45 minutes to deliver, and you might say he paid for it. Yeah, longest uh, that uh, in history happened in the cold and in the rain, mm. uh, and then he developed cold and flu-like symptoms, and then had hypothermia. COVID. And... Oh no, sorry, what was it? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hypothermia, and then he uh, kicked the bucket about a month later. Yeah. So, if for no other reason, keep it short. Because what is the temperature? Let's check here, Washington. I can look at the Washington forecast for tomorrow. I see that. Um, they're putting a lot of flags on the mall where there would only be people. I think they're going to have, was it 600, no, was it 200,000 flags representing, uh, I forget the number. It would be hundreds of thousands of flags. Uh, oh, well, now this is, hang on, let me look at the 10-day uh, here. 43 for a high, 25 for a low, mostly sunny. That's a pretty pleasant oh, day great. in Washington. Yeah, I think I didn't get the word count, but I think we're anticipating twenty to thirty minutes for oh. the inauguration speech for Biden. Um, but yeah, sunny skies. Let's do it. Now, speaking of comments, uh, let's see. They have released excerpts of Donald Trump's farewell farewell address. I don't know if this, this address is going to come from the White House. Is it going to come from the tarmac? Is going to be on stage in front of Air Force One with that as the backdrop? And one of the comments that I'm intrigued to read here is, uh, where is the one here about, uh, uh, ba -ba -ba. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Um, let's see here. No, where, where's the money quote? Now I can't find, oh, here. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. Okay. I'm especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. How many people thought that was going to happen? Or wasn't going to happen four years ago? He's going to hit the button. No. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. And then uh, it says they're going to play Sinatra's My Way as he boards the plane and sets off for Mar-a-Lago. That's for tomorrow, his, his speech? Speech ex excerpts from President Donald J. Trump's uh, farewell address. Um, oh, wait. Are those excerpts for tomorrow? Oh, is that going to be? Or maybe he's going to be? Is he saying something tonight? Is he addressing them? There's a good. Is he addressing the nation today? Usually, the outgoing president addresses the nation, right? Oval Office. Here's what we did. That's where Ronald Reagan gave one of his greatest speeches behind the desk. Maybe this is coming out today. I'll see if maybe Bill Stead knows. We'll ask Eric and Company, Wisconsin's Afternoon News. But we do know this: this will be the last speech he gives as President of the United States. 